Hey everyone, welcome to On The Line. It's Tuesday, October 17th. I'm Corey here with Olivia. It's busy. It was a busy, busy weekend of cross country across the US. Uh, we both were places uh, this, this weekend. Uh, some bad weather in the Northeast, kind of limited a bunch of meets up there, but we made it through. On today's show, we'll dive into the Manhattan College XE Invitational. We'll talk about record moments in Oregon, future stars, top teams, and three more NXR regionals. And then we'll finish it off with our national meet of the week, which is the Mount Sac Invitational 75th running there at St. Antonio College. Thanks for listening. As always, let's get to our first segment here. Top three things from the weekend. First up, Manhattan College invite has come and gone. CBA boys won by a pretty big margin, Olivia. What kind of impact did their win say for the country? I think it was huge. And I know you had a chance to ta uh, talk with Jack Falkowski, and he pretty much just kind of said it. You asked him essentially, like, what are the goals that CBA has left to check off on their bucket list in this New Jersey team? And he pretty much said, well, we'll keep it on the low. So I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. I'm excited to see what they do. But I want to give a huge shout out to uh, Jim Lambert, who gave some context to surround the New Jersey team as a whole. CBA won this title with 51 points a 42-second spread, and a 12.44 team average. And here we have this amazing video, which was shot at the Manhattan Cross Country Invitational. I felt bad for those geese, too. <laughs> they they kept just... coming back. They did? Yeah. Like, it after was, each race? It's various races. The geese were always there. <laughs> well, that's hilarious. And so, as you can see, uh, the gentleman just really attacking it. And CBA did a fantastic job of getting all five of their scorers under 13 minutes, they were 1st, 9th, 11th, 14th, 16th. And to even think of their 6th and their 7th runners mm -hmm. being in the top 32, finishing 28th and 31, I just it shows the depth that this team has. And this performance was number 2 all-time on the legendary 2.5-mile course, right behind FM's 12.32 average back from 2014. And you kind of mentioned it was a rainy day. It mm -hmm. was muddy. Was it windy, too? Got all three? Eh, not a little really, bit. No. The rain was just kind of annoying. But the cold conditions and the fact that CBA was able to accomplish what they did was fantastic. The standout athlete came from Joe Barrett, who won the title in a 12-13. That was number 13 on the Van Cortland Park's all-time list. And it was actually sixth fastest in New Jersey time in course history. Now, also Peyton Shoot of Gateway Woodbury High School was second right behind uh, Joe Barrett there with a 12-18. That equaled the number 28 all-time and number 11 among the New Jersey runners on that course. So the times that Barrett and Shoot produced were amongst the fastest times ever run on that historic course, which has been in the championship part uh, throughout history since 1957. And the reason I want to add some emphasis to that is because the conditions were not great. And the fact that CBA put out the performance, the times that they did, just imagine if it was a nicer day out, what CBA could have done. Yeah, I think they still would have been generally within those same parameters, maybe a little bit faster on the day, mm -hmm. uh, but generally still kind of within those parameters. I think one of the reasons why Jack said we'll keep it on the low is because in over the last couple of years, CBA has been good. They, mm -hmm. They've gotten to these, you know, they've won championships at the state level, group level, and then meet of champions, things like that, and then gone to NXN, and they've been rated highly before 
hasn't always necessarily worked out. Yeah. And now they're, you know, this year is feels special for them. Mm-hmm. Last time they won a national title was 2011 at Nike Cross, back when it was at Portland Meadows. And interestingly enough, they, they won against South Lake Carroll <laughs> in that meet, and they won by four points. Um, so they don't want to get ahead of themselves. They know they're capable of going after all these things. Mm-hmm. They just want to wait till they execute on them and get to those points. Yep. Uh, but Manhattan was a really good pivot point for them because it is a huge meet uh, with a lot of great competition, and it's a chance for you know their team to really cohesively run together. And th- that's kind of what they did here. It wasn't how they ran. It's, it's really how they ran in the rain yeah. uh, because preparation is key once you get to these larger meets. You know, some teams don't face the things that you see in Portland, which is the mud and the rain. Yeah. And it's hard if you step into that environment to immediately be like, okay, we're ready for this. But the CBA, you know, essentially ran through that and it gives them a little bit of like under investment foundational knowledge of it so that's going to help down the line um i agree with you like the depth there is insane lasalle college had one runner in and their second runner came like after cba had fifth in mm-hmm. like you don't you just don't see that often that's just yeah. dominance on another level so when it when it when you look at the top teams in the nation right now i i think cba has put their name into the hat with harriman American Fork. They've kind of leapfrogged, I think, a little bit South Lake Carroll yeah. and Bell and Jesuit with this performance. So yeah. um, they got some big ones coming up because groups, meet of champions, they'll face some really good competition, including UC. Yes. Uh, so time will tell just how it's going to work out, but right now, looking very good. Yeah. Before we move on, yeah. this was your very first experience. So what was all of that? Like I told you, there were like three races going on yeah. at one time. So how was it for you? Uh, it was good. I mean, we, uh, my. Uh, a role was to get interviews, yeah. so it was kind of in a position to just grab interviews after the races ended. And we had a we had a guy that like basically pulled the runner after they finished and just kind of brought him over the tent. So it was pretty seamless, to be honest. Everything was like really smooth. Um, you know, it's kind of hectic, I think, when you're following on on the stream because yeah. of what you're trying to to see. But overall, it was it was a great experience. I loved it. I loved it. And you got the carrot cake, which we yeah. discussed well, last week. Shout out to Pete Machia and Zara Machia. <laughs> they, uh, they bought a cake. Their family bought a, a, a carrot cake, and they brought it over to the finish line after Zara <laughs> finished. And she had a piece, you know, as she was doing the interview, and, and I got to taste it, too. It was, it was good. Told y'all. Lloyd's <laughs> carrot cake right across from the, yeah. from the course, yeah, yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, and, and so you got lo- to experience it. I'm happy you did. You know, in the rain, the line was still forming. Uh, That's even, amazing. Despite it being in the rain. Yeah. Uh, also went to some delis. Um, Had to hit up I the mean, delis. just bagels and sandwiches there. You can't beat it in New York City. Exactly. So. All right. Next up, uh, Emily Wisniewski uh, making Oregon history mm-hmm. uh, this past weekend, running an insane time. Looks like 1620. Seven for 5K, which is the fastest 5K ever recorded in Oregon history at the Rose City Championship. Olivia. I'm pretty sure that this race she's going to remember for a very long time, and she just executed it so amazingly. And this breaks the state best, which was honestly held by an amazing, incredible athlete, Kate Peters, who ran for Lake Oswego last year and is now a freshman at the University of Oregon. And she went 1640, and that was two years ago. So the fact that we're talking about taking it down an mm. athlete's, you know, state record like Kate Peters, that's not easy to do. Mm. And Emily Wisniewski just did a fantastic job of doing that. Just looking at her resume, she just kept knocking at the door. This was her second 
5K performance in a row. And Emily is one of six girls in Oregon's history to dip under 17 seconds for that distance. And her time is the 13th fastest in high school history and the seventh fastest by a junior. And that's also another scary thing is we still got another year with Emily. So the yeah. fact that she's dropping 1627 right now and we're only in mid-October, like we still have another month and a half until nationals so yeah just imagine what she's going to be able to accomplish when she gets more competition yeah. and just fine-tuning the small things yeah she's gotten tremendously she's improved tremendously a tremendous amount over yeah. over a year she won this race last year yeah she ran 1825 on this course last year which is nearly two minute improvement i'm wondering if the course changed at all because it's kind of hard to go like two minutes yes. year over I'm year. I'm like, well, where did that time um, come from? And if we're looking at speed ratings, like this year, if you ran 1825, you got a 114. Mm -hmm. um, she ran her 1627, she got a 153, I think. So like, I there's a disconnect there. That, yeah. That's not, I just don't think, something must have happened with the course. It is relatively new. It's on a golf course. Um, she ran really fast. A lot of girls ran fast. Uh, credit to her because you just perform what's, you know the path in front of you like you don't worry about any of the, the, the you know, things around it but like 1627 um definitely puts her up there she was she was top 30 last year at national so it's not like she was she's coming out of the blue here right um but, does but she's she, definitely moved up some tiers for sure she she has i'm, I'm wondering like what tier is it though like, yeah is it the championship tier is it i the, would put her in that championship the top tier. 13 all-american Tier, like I would definitely right now put her in the all-american top contender tier yeah. like yeah. she's right there like I wouldn't say she's right on the line I definitely feel like she could be an all-american this year mm. it's just which line is she closest to all-american or national contender yeah like she's six in the latest rankings which came out this past week right so she moved up four spots mm -hmm. she's right behind Sadie Abby Faith Cheeseman Rachel Forsyth Elizabeth Leachman and Jane Hedinger and yeah, so, so she's up there yeah those are some big names. And I think that's perfect. Yeah. I think that's right where she should be, you know, and this one's another reminder of, like, why. So yeah. um, we'll keep an eye out on her. She's doing really, really good. Third last topic from the weekend, we got to get into Dana Hills. Yes. Uh, they won the Orange County Championships this past weekend um, and gutted it out a little bit uh, to, to win, but they got the job done. Olivia, what did you see from it? Yeah, I, I'm, I was really impressed by Evan Noonan, who just honestly just went out there and kind of led his teammate, Jaden Fernandez, to a 1-2 finish with a 13.59 and a 14.06, respectively, to lead Dana Hills to that team title. And like you mentioned, it wasn't like a blowout. Like, they won with 48 points. San Clemente finished with 53 points, so it was still very close. However, for Dana Hills, to have that 47 second split i know last week we talked about i think it was ventura that had like that longer um split and we're split, like yeah. they need to condense that a little bit but the fact that dana hills is able to get all their top five scores under 50 seconds finished with a 14 22 average they look solid and it, it looks great moving forward and i know they're probably fine-tuning some things just kind of looking at their resume they finished eighth at woodbridge mm -hmm. they won clovis they were 11 at bob Furman, and now they get the victory here so i know as we move closer and closer to states and obviously towards the national championship part of the season we're going to see some really great things yeah. from them the common lexicon when we think of uh you know, events like this for teams that are coming off big performances is yeah. trap. Yeah. trap. Trap game, trap contest, trap meet. Um, you win a big meet, 
maybe you're looking ahead to the next great thing, so and you don't always see the thing in front of you. Right. So I feel like this kind of was a trap in a way. Dana Hills made sure that they still got the job done. Yes. So um, props to them because that can be difficult sometimes when you, you're on a, on a really Good big high. high and you kind of have to come down and then, you know, execute and perform again. Right. Um, it becomes difficult to kind of really always hone in on that. Uh, but they were able to get it done. And um, San Clemente, a little bit more into that. So, um, you know, uh, Dana Hills got their first two guys in one, two, and then six. San Clemente, though, after their first runner had their next four in before Dana Hills is fifth. So mm-hmm. um, Dana Hills, a little spread out. Even though the, the spread was, you know, under 60 seconds, they were a little spread out. Mm-hmm. But what helps, obviously, is that one-two with Evan and Jaden. Yeah. And, and their six getting in there, too. Or their number three finishing six. So um, if that doesn't happen, if the five guy falls off a little bit, they lose that race. So yeah. Um, what they learned from this basically is that like you can you cannot have an off day essentially or you'll get beat right if you perform at your best and you just focus in you're going to win a lot of meets but it just it takes constantly just being locked in yeah it Which, does yeah so um they go into the CAF division 3 sort of state series as the prohibitive favorite in their division i think they have a good pathway toward that um they just have to keep zoned in on on the process right all right, uh, we're going to go into future stars, yes. uh, underclassmen who have been performing really well over the cross-country season. There's been a lot of them this past week. We're going to get into two athletes. Olivia, who do you got? I'm really excited for this freshman class. I have seen a lot of great performances from both the girls mm-hmm. and the boys' side, and just especially the underclassmen as a whole. They've been really putting some great performances up on the board. So it gives me some promise as we move forward, you know, the next three to two to four years that we're going to see something spectacular. As we've talked about many times in the past, late conference championships is a staple meet in the Midwest. And Evie Malik from Minnetonka is an underclassman and was the only underclassman to break 18 minutes um, and had a 26-second victory at that race. She clocked a 17.49.4 which was the fourth fastest time in meet history and the second fastest freshman girls time at all time in that meet history. So the fact that she set a new personal best and this was her second sub 18 minute 5K performance, like this is an athlete I think we need to keep our eyes out for because she's just, she's right there and I'm excited. Okay, Evie Mellon. Yep. Guy side going with off the radar athlete from New Hampshire, Mm. Sullivan Sturts of Keen High School, a class of 2026. He ran 15:11 at the CVC XC Championships uh, on the 13th, which I believe was Friday. Just a sophomore, 39th best time of the weekend. It was third straight win. He's won all three of his races by a pretty good margin, not overwhelming, but by a good margin. Uh, and that 15:11 was now a new school record at Keen. Guys like him, you have to watch out for. I think at the regional level because. He's good enough to sort of sneak in. I was about to say. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, there is a lot of talent in the Northeast, but, you know, New Hampshire, running some of these small meets, and you get an opportunity to run a bigger meet, you, you kind of enter as sort of a wild card in some aspects. And I think he he's shown enough where he could be a sneaky candidate to maybe sneak get into one of those national races. Mm-hmm. And he comes from an area, Keene, which has an interesting 
running history, they have ties back to Clarence DeMar, who won seven Boston marathons. He was a bronze medalist at the Olympics in 1924, and he taught at Keene oh, Normal wow. School. So the history with Keene uh, has a little bit of ties uh, back to the running community now. Sullivan Sturris looks like a really, really good runner who could be among the best, maybe in a couple of years. So um, good stuff out of that. And, and Malik, hopefully she goes for a state title in Minnesota. Yeah. All right, national championship talk is back. Drew Griffith ran an amazing time this weekend at Milestat. Is he the guy to be at the national level? This was a really fun question to answer yeah. as we were kind of pondering and reflecting on it. Without a doubt, Drew Griffith has been on our radar for some time. And I think right now he has a huge target on his back. The way that he ran this weekend was absolutely incredible, and I feel like it elevated himself. So I personally, to answer this question of, is Drew Griffith the guy to beat? I think he's one of the top contenders that you need to look out for. Um, I know, as I mentioned, week upon week upon week, there's at least five guys I can think of right now that I'm like, we got to look out for. I don't think there's one right now that like has one upper hand over the other. I think it's pretty... You don't think this is an actual like number one favorite in the nation? I think, honestly, if you're going to go just, you know, what Daniel Simmons has done this year, I yeah. feel like people automatically gravitate towards yeah. him, as you should, with everything that he's done. He's the one of the top... He is the top returner from NXN. But I wouldn't count on Drew Griffith, though. Yeah, that's fair. I would not count him that's out. Fair. And I think underneath the conditions and the competition that he has faced already, you can't underestimate him. He's been undefeated. This weekend, he went 14-21 for 5K on the Pool Green Park. To break down some stats here, this is the 16th fastest 5K performance of all time. It's the fastest time in Pennsylvania history. And when you think of the guy that held this... Mm -hmm was Gary Martin, who went 14:24 at the Running Lane Cross Country Championships, the mm. fastest course, I guess we could say, in America in 2021. And this is the second fastest time on Virginia soil ever. Mm. So the fact that Drew Griffith did this in Virginia, taking down Gary Martin's time, I think that really, people should be yeah. concerned right now about Drew yeah. Griffith and what he's capable of doing because he's just been so dominant yeah. and won the title by 20 seconds. It was a great performance. Yeah, I, I think it did elevate him. I think Daniel Simmons is one. I think Drew Griffith is two right now. Okay. So, but I don't think Drew's going to go to NXN. I think he's going to Foot Locker. So, mm -hmm. does that make him the Foot Locker favorite? Possibly. I, yeah. I do think him and Cameron Todd, I would put him and Cameron, Cameron Todd, Todd next to each other right now at Foot Locker. And maybe even, this is another conversation for another day, but Ryan Pajak's running well too. Yes. But Drew Griffith, I think, um, with this performance, answered a lot of things for me. I think a couple weeks back I said, I'm not always sure of the PA guys. I think they, they do well, and then they go to the national competition, and sometimes they're you know unsure of just how to respond to that, that, that situation. But I, I think with this, he, he answered that question for mm -hmm. me because he can run on a tough course like the a Parkview in Hershey, the state course. That's really tough. You're not going to run extremely fast there. But then he puts down the fast race here at Milestat, so he can do both things extremely well. Whatever you want, to ask of me, I can do it. And Balboa Park at Foot Locker is exactly that. There's some really hard sections. There's some really fast sections. How do you balance that and put that together? Drew Griffith has, I think, capabilities of, of, of putting that race together. Right. Now, I do want to mention the restraints, the constraints of Northeast runners historically. At Foot Locker, only seven Northeast athletes have won it all time since 1979. Last guy from the Northeast to do it was Edward Cheserek, who claimed trophies in 2011 and 2012. Northeast guys have won Foot Locker seven 
out of 43 times. So that, that's 16 percent. So they're just based on the numbers, the road up for Jer Griffith says he doesn't necessarily, he's not going to get there. But, mm -hmm. you know, he can, he can kind of um, combat that by being the next guy. Yeah. Um, it's been a largely a Midwest race for the last seven years. So can, can somebody kind of like throw them off the rock a little bit? And yeah. I think Griffith is a perfect guy to do it. Uh, so I think um, this is a really good start. And um, it'll be fun to see. He's got one of the highest speed ratings, too, right yeah. now. I mean, two back-to-back -back 197s, yeah. is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah, only one other guy's been faster than him, Anthony Fasthorse. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Do you have – or so, so is he going to win full locker? I say yes. <laughs> so do you think he will? I – oh, oh, man. I. There's just a lot of heavy hitters, like I said. I'm not – we wrote down our picks, didn't we? We did. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm not ready down. to say yes yet. But I, I am from PA. I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he proves me wrong. All right. Uh, we're going to get to our next topic. This is a fun one. We're going to go right back into our uh, NXR, NXR rankings. We're going to rank the top four teams in uh, the next three regionals that we didn't talk about. That's the Southwest, the South, and the Southeast. Olivia, you can start with it. Yes, let's talk about the Southwest. They're going to be kicking things off in Mesa, Arizona, November 18th. In this specific region, you've got uh, kids and athletes from Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, Nevada, and Utah. And, of course, I'm covering the girls' side. Corey's covering the guys. So my number one team, Air Academy from Colorado. That shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. This is... Has this team has had the best average of 17-24 this season? Bethany Mahalik, Tessa Walters have been just putting in the work, as well as the other uh, cadets there who have just been doing so many great things this season, and they've just been showcasing a lot of their talent later on in the year, which is I think the perfect time for it. Number two, right behind them is Niwat, another team from Colorado. Again, I don't think this surprises people uh but 17.28 has been their best team average this season addison ritzenhein i'm keeping my eyes out for her i know bobby reyes has been like you know don't don't count her out i think she could be someone that can grab this title here and so mm -hmm. i think she's definitely an athlete that will be a contender for that national title as well as mia proc who is uh, one of the top finish finishers here from last year my number three team, another team from Colorado, Mountain Vista. They ran well over the weekend at the Continental League Championships. They earned 17 points, went 18.39 for their team average for 5K. And then my number four team, I feel like this is a toss-up um, between my number four and my honorable mention. But number four right now, I have Lone Peak, and they're from Utah. First team that not, that's not from Colorado. They recently have been putting together strong performances and have been taking down close, really strong competitors like American Fork, especially at the Utah Divisional Meet. And I have American Fork as my honorable mention because I feel like mm -hmm. those teams have been going back and forth. So it's like, all right, who's going to have the better day? So those are my top four teams from this region, the Southwest region. I like it, but you did flip-flop Niowa Air Academy in the regional sort of, like, I know. in your opinion here. So you think... Despite the rankings right now, Air Academy beats I, I feel like Air Academy right now is, okay. yeah, they're looking strong. Okay. But again, I feel like it's a flip of a coin yeah. for that day. But right now, okay. today, okay. going Niwot up top, or like, Air Academy up top. I like it. On the guy's side, you were largely Colorado-focused. Guy's side seems to be largely Utah-focused. Yeah. American Fork, I'm, I'm doing the same thing as you just did. <laughs> uh, American Fork's ranked second in the nation right now, but I have them winning the Southwest region here. Uh, they're, they have the number 11 average in the country at 1527. 
they're going to go up against Harriman. They've lost to Harriman on basically uh, the displaced or the, the displaced runner on, at number six. So um, it's as close as you can be with those two. Harriman, I have at number two here, ranked number one in the country right now. Number seventeen average in the country, fifteen thirty-three. So I have American Fork and then Harriman. Number three here, I have Orem. Um, Third best team in Utah. They've been really, really good this year. Um, we got to give them credit. Ranked number 15th in the country. Average is 15.47. I think they're going to come to play here. And if they finish third, I would hope that they get into NXM because they're they're a really good team. And then four got Niwot, uh, ranked 13 in the country. Number six average 15.25. They're they started off a little slow, but they're getting they're they're, they're rising. This, yeah, they're this rising. is their progression. This is when it counts. This is when the progression though. That's yeah. kind of what they want to see though. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. Exactly. So, Niwot there, and then Lone Peak and Riverton are my honorable mention there. Love it. All right. South. South region kicking things off the same day, November 18th, this time in the Woodlands um, in Texas. In this region, you have teams from Arkansas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Texas, and Mississippi. And I feel like similar to how the other region was, Texas is just on the girls' side completely dominating this. Um, so can Texas sweep the top four spots? That's my big question from this region. Number one for me is Lucas Lovejoy. They've been looking very competitive ahead of regionals and states. They have been they have the best team average of 1755 this season. Right behind them, I have South Lake Carroll again looking very strong, especially after taking down the UIL 6A state champions at the Nike South Invitational, which happens to be my number three team, Flower Mound. Even without Nicole Humphreys, I still feel like they're learning to run together as mm -hmm. a team. That was just kind of the biggest questions that we had for Flower Mound going into this 2023 cross-country season. And they currently have an 18.08 best team average this season from the weekend at their district meet. Now, if there's any team that can break up this Texas sweep, I feel like one of the programs to look out for is Bentonville of Arkansas. They're led by Haley Lowe this season, and they have the best team average of 1843. I'm not counting out Northwest Nelson from Texas. They're on my honorable mention here. 1822 team average for them this year, and they look strong, and they finished ahead of Bentonville at the Chili Pepper Festival most recently. So yeah. keep your eyes out. I feel like Texas can sweep this top four. It, it, yeah, it will. I, that's, I'm just I rooting for Arkansas here with Bentonville sneaking there. I agree. There. The, on the girls' side, it's all Texas. <laughs> yeah. On the guys' side, finally, for once in a million years, there are teams from outside Texas that are kind of supplanting themselves yeah. in, in these positions. South Lake Carroll, who we have at number three in the country, I still have winning this meet. And they could, I mean, if they put everything together and they have a good day at Portland, they could contend for a title. 15-11 uh, team average, Caden Leonard, Jude Alvarez, uh, top guys there. South Lake Carroll. So here's where it gets a little fishy. Uh, <laughs> who finishes 2-3-4? Okay. Now, if you ask Will, oh, gosh. Will's going to put Bentonville maybe at 2 or Deer Creek at 2. I have Deer Creek at 2. I think mm -hmm. he would agree there. Ranked 21 in the country from Oklahoma, number 4 average in that state. Um, they've run 15-36 at Marcus, 15-45 at Chili Pepper. Not ex like as If you look at the numbers, they're not going to blow you away, but they perform on the day yeah nike south and the woodlands is a fast course though so they have to be careful not to be swept up in it because that can get behind them really really quick but i do think deer creek is the team at number two now that can to win team that's going to beat them if they don't have a good day is norland's jesuit yeah in my mind i think last year 
They went to running lane this year. Um, I think they're going to kind of try to, to see what they can do here. Ranked 17 in the country, number 12 average, 15-28, led by Brady Mullen. If Michael Vaki is on and the rest of the guys run well, they finish in second here. Mm -hmm. And I think they get to NXN. They have a good team. And then four, Austin Vandegrift. Um, if Jesuit, Deer Creek fall apart, Vandegrift's moving up to two. Uh, right. But I think Vandegrift ranked 19 in the country, 15-28 uh, average, really good too. Bentonville's my fifth team out on the border here. They're just like Deer Creek. If they don't run well in the first mile of this race and they get swept up, they're not going to win. They're not going to get in that top four. So um, interesting storylines in the boys' race on the south side. Yes. Uh, southeast. I struggled with this one because I think because the region is so big. Look at how many states. There's so many states, and the states are very competitive. That's which not fair. <laughs> That's literally was, not fair. Looking at the other regions, I named like there's five like four, teams. There's like five ten. states. There's, there's like five states in most most regions. I know. And there's like yeah, ten here. Okay, so southeast region, November nineteenth. This will take place in Cary, North Carolina. You got teams from Delaware. Maryland, Virginia, North and South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky, West yeah, Virginia, that's crazy. and D.C. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh gosh, there's so many great teams from North Carolina. There's some solid teams from Alabama. Tennessee is rocking and rolling. Kentucky, yeah. especially on the girls' side. I was yeah. like, oh boy. This, so I have a lot of honorable mention wow, <laughs> for this Wow, one. you got some takes here too. Okay, go, go into your Wait, takes. Wait, my takes? You got, you got a take here, yeah. Wait, what's my take? Go. Go, okay, go it. number one, the Webb School of Knoxville in Tennessee. This team has been looking mighty strong here. 1755 team average with a 23-second split. They're top 10 ranked in the nation. Number two, at Tattnall. Is that my hot take? I have your hot Yeah, I think your hot take is not moving Tattnall to one. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yes, yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Tattnall, I feel like they've been very sneaky good this season. They faced a handful of the nation's best cross-country teams and programs. They won against teams like Cardinal Gibbons, Assumption, Cuthbertson, and Mount Tabor um, recently. And they have a 17.55 team average, and they're one of the top 13 teams in the nation. Number three, I have Cardinal Gibbons. Um, this team has been looking strong in North Carolina. They're the seventh best team average um, in the country this year with a 17.55. And number four, I have Brentwood. Um, from Tennessee, I feel like they've been very consistent and they've been having a lot of top place finishes against national competitions. At the Southern Showcase, they won it. At the Jesse Owens Classic, they were second to the Webb School. So I feel like they can kind of sneak in there as my top four team. Now, looking at my honorable mention, I have teams like Auburn from Alabama. You can't exclude them. Mount Tabor, as I mentioned before, from North Carolina, still a solid program. Assumption from Kentucky. They've had an 18-21 team average. Don't count them out either. And Cuthbertson too. I'm not excluding them, but they're definitely on my honorable mention. So, those are my top eight <laughs> teams you, that I have. Because so, it's so, this is such a strong region. But that take about Patnall last two weeks being, you know, better than we expected. Yes. Do you feel like they've moved ahead of web school in terms of like just feeling or you're still locked into web school i still feel like i'm locked into web school okay okay especially right now going into the regionals tatanol without a doubt they definitely have raised my eyebrows okay. and my eyes I, they're on my radar okay but i think the web school of knoxville i can't knock them right now that's fair uh on the guy side i to be honest i think 
anything can happen here. <laughs> like anything beyond Bell and Jesuit winning this meet, which I believe they will. Um, number four in the country, number one average in the country, fifteen oh nine. They've just been on another scale this year. I think Bell and Jesuit wins. But beyond them, I uh, who knows? <laughs> I have Marvin Ridge of North Carolina. I have them in second. I have Carrollton of Georgia in third. I have Huntsville, Alabama in fourth. Um, they all have averages under 1545. Well, Marvin Ridge, 1553. Carrollton, 1543. Huntsville, 1538. Wake Med is running faster than normal uh, this year. So you do have to be a team that is okay with getting out fast in the first mile and having that foundation to hold on through the race because there are a couple hills that can catch up on you. If you can do that, you are setting yourself up for a, a good performance at Wakeman. It really will depend on that. Some of these teams have been on it already. That'll help them. But honestly, after Bellin, I think it's it's anyone's game. I agree with you. I think Bellin has it pretty much locked in. It's just now to race to the finish for yeah, second really at does. that point, you know? Yeah. Last but not least, the National Made of the Week, the Bounce Sack Invite in Walnut, California. 75th running in California. It's held over Friday and Saturday at Mount San Antonio College. Largest meet in California and one of the largest in the U.S. with 96 races spread over two days. And last week there That's was wild. There was community races, college races actually last week too. So uh, the big ones we'll, we'll count on here are the individual and team sweeps, sweepstakes, which take place on Friday and Saturday. We have four on Friday, four on Saturday. Uh, Mount Sac is known for its course. Uh, it features some very famed sections like the switchbacks and then Poop Out Hill, which is pretty insane if you've ever been there. Course records are owned by Breo Linda's Austin Tamagno, who ran 1423 in 2014, and Malibu's Claudia Lane, who ran 1549 in 2017. We're big fans of Claudia Lane from back in the day. All right, Olivia. Um, Let's get into the individual sweepstakes races. Um, talk to me a little bit about what you're seeing uh, on your side. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. This, as you mentioned, is one of the biggest meets in California. And I'm, I'm just even reflecting last year how, like, here daily, this is when she kind of got on our radar, clocking the one of the fastest times of the day from that Division three, Division four, and five sweepstake races, and she was a freshman. Um, so anything can happen. She went sixteen fifty eight there. What I'm looking forward to is kind of Emmanuel Perez and Emmanuel Hernandez, top twenty in the state right now on the boys' side. I'm curious to see how they're gonna compete yeah. against each other here. Um, and then looking forward to Saturday, you have uh, Rancho. Com Cucamonca, uh, another team in California, Nicole Alfred, I feel like is a really standout performer on this team. She's a 17-21 runner, so I think there's a lot of great individual performances that can really give us a showcase of just kind of what to expect when we go into states, um, but it's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm glad you said Perez. Uh, he's going to be featured in race 45 on Friday. Perez is a, a returning state champion in California Division Four, uh, he's prohibitive favorite coming back this year. He is a sneaky favorite at the national level too. Mm -hmm. He's been incredibly good. He beat Evan Noonan at, at Clovis. He finished second there, only behind Anthony Fasworth. Yeah, he's one of the best runners in the country, and he's ranked in the top twenty-five for a reason. So love that. Jason Para coming off of Manhattan this weekend in New York. He specifically 
went to Manhattan to see how he would perform in different conditions, and he ran extremely well, finishing fifth there. So he comes back to the three-mile distance now, race 59 on Saturday, and he's going to be strong with Milliken. Other note, runners of note to, to be mindful of, Weston Brown of Great Oak. Uh, Great Oak's running race 61. Um, they're going to look for a rebound, basically, from Clovis, where they finished second at Dana Hills. Weston Brown is leading them, I think, at that portion. And then Maximo Savaletta of ML King, also in race 61. He's an individual performer who has an opportunity to win that race as well. So um, I, I think it, there's going to be thousands of runners yes. at Mountain Sack. It, it is a monster meet. Like, the fact that there are thir 96 races. Yes. That is incredible. Yep. Shout out to them for yep. putting that on. Yeah, logistically, it's a nightmare, but they, they yeah. make it happen every year. Yeah. Team sweepstakes, we're going to go to those on Saturday. The, the big ones is really where we have some of the ranked teams. Um, Olivia, what are some of the teams that you're looking to specifically? Okay, so I mentioned this at the very beginning of the season when it came to Elizabeth Leachman, when she posted fastest opener that we've seen from her in a while and I was like okay if she could back up that performance I'm sold right and she did that and I'm officially on the Elizabeth Leachman chain uh, train I kind of feel the same way about Ventura right now okay. being number 10 I feel like they had that really solid performance at the Clovis cross-country invite can they duplicate duplicate that right and they're led by Sadie Englehart which we all know all love. She's won three of the four races. The only race she lost this year was at Woodbridge, and she finished third. But I feel like Ventura is one of those wild cards for me. I'm just I'm waiting to see if they can just bounce back from what they did mm -hmm. and some. Um, and then I could be on the Ventura train. That's how I feel about the team right now. You also have number 14 team on the mile split 50 rankings. You have Santiago Corona, and they moved up into the rankings over the last weekend because – they face a lot of stiff competition at Clovis. They tied with Buchanan with 128 points, finished fourth overall with an 18-16 average. Fantastic from them. So there's no Buchanan in this race. There's no Jay Sarahs. They're coming off of the Orange County meet. So who's going to step up to the plate? So that's why I'm seeing if Ventura could be that team. Can Santiago Corona be that team? Those are my questions from yeah. the team's race coming up and I agree with you there completely I think that's going to be the one to watch there on the guys side as I just said Great Oak coming off the loss of Dana Hills going to be in race 61 on Saturday morning um, number seven in the country this week that will change the ranking will change slightly based off of the, the result from from last week but I think they will bounce back here um, and they're going to get a great chance to do it because they're going up against uh, number number 11 Ventura Number 23 is San Clemente, number 38, Arnold Beckman, and number 48, Mira Costa. I was looking in the team roster, and I don't think Ventura is going to race all their guys. I don't know if that fast horse is going to be here, so Ventura might be a little deceiving here at, at Mount Sac. But Great Oak, I think, will win this meet against all these teams, and that's going to be a pretty good result coming off of that performance at, mm -hmm. at Clovis. So um, that... Race 61 is the, the one to watch at, at Mount Sac this weekend uh, on Saturday. Mm -hmm. All right, that is our show for the week. Uh, thank you again, obviously, for, for listening every week, and it's been a pleasure. Uh, one thing before we sign off. Yes. In two weeks, we're going to have a show on Halloween. I'm excited. October 31st. So, um, you know, we're, we're already getting started with the Halloween festivities. Yes. Right? 
We, we <laughs> might have like a video. Yeah, here we go. Oh, man. This is this is uh, right outside the corner. My of my, my fiance and I, Cap, <laughs> we put this scream uh, little guy up on our tree. Um, we're getting ready for for Halloween. Yes, we love it. You get really into it, which I love, <laughs> which yeah. is exciting. Yeah. Uh, but what we're gonna do? We want to ask you to send us some of your Halloween themed. Costumes. Yes, I want to see it. And and decorations. I mean, we can feature it on this show. I think we're big Halloween people, so yes. um, we want to feature some of the stuff that you get into as runners and and uh, make sure to send some. So where, yes. where, where can they send that stuff to? You can DM them to the Mile Split Instagram account. You can also DM them via Twitter. Um, I guess if you guys have our emails, you can email them yeah. to us as yeah. well. But we want to see you guys dressed up. We want to see the Halloween decorations. Yeah. If you guys can send it to us before the 30th, because obviously we film Tuesday morning. Yeah. That's when we yeah. are in here wrapping up in our studio. So between now and I think October 30th, send those videos, photos yeah. all over to us. I have I have one mile split backpack that I can give to the the, the most, the most creative, the the, the one we deem that's the coolest and the funniest or the most clever uh, costume of them all. So, so get some mouse with swag. Yeah, I, I have, I can guarantee that. I can send a backpack. Just send us your stuff, and we'll we'll uh, reward you with some stuff. So, um, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, for Keep sure. Keep coming. Registration open for Running Lane XC Championships. Just be mindful of that, too, mm -hmm. if you want to run that race in December. Uh, thank you for watching. We'll be back with you next Tuesday. See you later. Thank <laughs> you.